So I want to introduce you today that our new series over the next couple of weeks we've entitled Kryptonites. We've entitled Kryptonite. And I want to share with you tonight, I'm sure that there's probably nobody in the room today that is not a fan of Superman. I hope, right? I mean, I think of all of those characters that, that we have that have entertained us over the years, that Superman is certainly one of those that has risen to the top. And I guess depending on what generation you grew up, Superman could have a lot of different looks to you. So let me show you what I mean this morning. So uh, there are a couple of uh, deviations of who Superman has been to us over the years. Now, if you're probably under the age of 30, you're looking up in that top left corner and you're saying, who in the world is that guy, all right? Um, As the kids say today, that's the OG. Somebody say, yeah, right? That is the original Superman. And I think it goes all the way back to the 50s, actually on television, right, um, was, uh, was Superman. And then a lot of us grew up with Christopher Reeves and then uh, today uh, uh, Henry Cavell and all of these uh, kind of adaptations of Superman. If you remember your comic book days, kind of the Justice League or, or the Super Friends, right, uh, one of the main characters, one of the guys that, that rose above the others was Superman. He was the most powerful, the strongest. He always led by virtue. In fact, some of the challenges to him facing some of the villains uh, that were written out for him is that he was always having to make a choice, right? The villain would always take the the damsel in distress or a family member, and it was always this question, uh, uh, Superman, what are you going to do, right? You either save all of these people or you're going to lose this person that you love, and all of the kind of struggle and the challenge that came therein. We knew that as we were growing up that he could be a hero that everyone could count on and that he would always come through in the end. Now, maybe some of you remember there was a couple of different taglines with Superman. Maybe you can kind of say it with me this morning, but we know that he was what? Faster than a speeding bullet and that he could leap a tall building in a single bound and that he was more powerful than a locomotive. Yeah, everybody knows the story of Superman today. The man of steel that could do anything. And whenever there was trouble in the world or the world was under attack, it was Superman who was called in to save the day. But here's what I want you to hear with me today and through this series. No one, nothing could stop Superman except one thing. What was it? It was kryptonites. Yeah, the the, the most powerful man, right? Faster than a speeding bullet that could always save the day, but yet there was always an Achilles heel in the story of Superman. This green crystalline material that originated from his uh, own home world of, of Krypton. And its po- poisonous radiation had the ability to weaken all of those who were from Kryptonia. And here's what I want you to hear with me this morning. The longer that they were exposed to it, the weaker they became, even to the point of death. Now you might say with me today, if you're new this morning, Pastor Jim, is that what real life is all about, talking about comic book heroes? No, it's just the jump in for us to make a transition for you to realize that much like Superman, maybe we're struggling to admit it, but we know it's there, 
that we find ourselves with maybe one or sometimes maybe more than one thing that always has the ability to weaken our life. That sometimes as much as we kind of go after some of the big things that we believe that God has for our life, we have found ourselves over all of these years that sometimes it just keeps coming back and we find ourselves that the more that we are exposed to it, that like Superman, the weaker that we have become as well. And so here's the question for today, and here's the question for our entire series. We are going to investigate. I challenge you to investigate today just what is your kryptonite. Now, there might be a lot of us that just kind of instantly, right, that, that it just comes to mind. You know what I'm talking about. But it might take a few of us some days or some weeks to process through what this challenge is going to be. What is this one thing in your life that hinders you from living full out and understanding who God is and what God has for your life? What is the one thing that keeps you from recognizing that God loves you, that God does have plan and purpose for your life? What is the one thing that just keeps coming back, kind of like that Achilles t- uh, heel that, that, that uh, differentiates what purpose and plan or dream that God has for you? I think we probably have all had moments in our life that there have been times that as soon as we start progressing forward and living out that calling or living out that dream or fully understanding, you mean that, that God does love me in this way, that God has more for me, that God has some direction and challenge, not just for my situation around me, but, but the opportunity for me to be a world changer. And just as we start to move in that process, then our kryptonite seems to show up and throw a monkey wrench in the process. You see, the truth is, is that every person has some kind of kryptonite that can adversely affect your life. Your kryptonite may be the issue of how you handle money. It could be your fear of failure. It could be some past regrets that just seemingly always reveal itself or show up at the wrong time. A quick tongue for some of us, anger, shame, unforgiveness, rejection, comparison, those that battle sexual issues or our thought life. Do you want me to keep going today? You know, or maybe sometimes we can move to the other side of the process and to realize, and some of you that maybe have studied psychology or understood the, the mannerisms of, of humanity, that sometimes that we talk about that if our strengths are not kept in check, if our strengths aren't kept within the boundaries of, of, of what is benefit not only for, for us or for those people around us, that our strengths can actually become weaknesses as well, right? We recognize there are some of us today that might feel like uh, that, that we're the perfectionist, right? And, and we kind of just seeming like we want to wear that into ourselves, but, but it makes everybody else uncomfortable around us. That maybe our husband or our spouse or our kids feel that we're just never good enough because of this projection or this perfection model that, that we seem to live out of our strengths. There are others that are achievers, and, and they're just all about that A-type and all about, about getting to the top 
and climbing to the ladder and pushing everybody out of the way. And in that process of them achieving their dreams, they've left their family or they've left their friends behind them or they've offended them because of this strong push to, to prove something of themselves. There are questioners, right? That they're just always kind of that, that challenge of, of, of doubts and, and always going after that struggle to, to believe because they think that somehow somebody's going to kind of pull the curtain back and, and the things that are going to be revealed. And so rather than just opening our heart in trust and in faith and believing that, that there's always this doubt and this question that we live with and, and really it's, it's something that maybe we're not always willing to express, but we're living miserable lives because we just can't find the truth and the answer that we're seeking. You see, there's kryptonite in all of our lives, and it might be, Pastor Jim, what is the hope and what is the help that, that, that I can fully walk into everything that God has for me? How can I be free to live the full life, this abundant life that God has for me? How can I be free from sin and some of the things that, that are struggling that in my relationships, maybe in my marriage or in my home that seem to sabotage, or how do I kind of blow things up when I, I feel like, man, it's been going so well? Well, that's what we're going to talk about over these next couple of weeks, there's some big issues and maybe some deep issues that we're going to have to drill down for quite a while. And you're going to have to ask God for some help, maybe for some revelation to take place so that God can get you and me to the place where we can truly live a life that's free, a life of peace, a life of abundance, a life that is progressing in the ways and, and the dreams that he has always laid out for our life. In the comic book world, if there was a force that can stop Superman's power, then I think a lot of you would understand with me today that in this real world that we live in, there are certainly forces that are out to stop you and me from living out the life that God has always intended for us to live, yes? And so we're not talking about the mystical or the makeup. Over these next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about some real issues, and we're going to pray, and we're going to believe for some real breakthrough in your life, in your home, maybe in your marriage, maybe in your relationship, maybe as a parent. There are some big things that we're going to have to ask God to help us to understand, some things that you and me together are going to have to humbly come before God maybe every Sunday and say, listen, I know this is this thing that, that whether it's in my relationship, whether it's in my marriage, we seem to do so good for, for several months and then all of a sudden, that issue of that kryptonite, that, that, that comment, that, that, that antagonism, that, that temptation, whatever it is, seems to, again, just knock us down. Or there might be some things, again, at your job or at your work or in your thought life or in your mind that, that you do well for so long and then you kind of wonder, how, how does this happen? Like, where does this come from? Why does it keep getting me? Listen, there are people that, that, that should be here today. There are people that, that are struggling in their life right now and, and they attribute that, that this, it comes out spiritually. They, they feel like, how can I come to the house of God when I'm not when I don't have all my stuff together, when, I, when I'm struggling again today, when it's like, man, we've been through this two or three times before. And listen, we have an enemy to our soul that is so good at pinpointing and bringing out the kryptonite. Somebody say yes today, right? That, that keeps...
keeps us from the place of where God wants to bring wholeness and fullness into our life. And so we need to pray for those people. We need to tell them, hey, get out of your house and get back to church, right? Where it is that God wants to speak his life and his truth into their soul. Listen, there's a lot of examples. We are not alone. This is not a new thing that has just happened in the last 20 or 30 years. But this idea of kryptonite has been around for a long, long time. And it hasn't just affected necessarily the weak among us, but it's gone after the strong as well. And I want to give you a couple of examples this morning as we set the stage. And we talk about a number of them today. And then over the next couple of weeks, we're going to maybe systematically talk about some of the things that I've mentioned. What are some of these areas of kryptonite that seem to cripple in mass so many of us? That there's probably not a thousand of them. It seems like they could be all shrunk down into a handful that just seem to get us over and over again. But it's more than just identifying them. We are going to pray and we're going to believe that God is going to give us victory over them. Can you say amen with me today, church? Yes? That that's what we're hungry for, that God would give you a life in abundance, that God would bless your marriage, that God would give you peace in your home, that God would give you a direction at your workplace, that God would allow us to speak life into our community. Those are the things about why God wants to be so good to you and me today. Well, let's go way back in the Bible. Many of you know the name Moses, if I've mentioned that to you today. We recognize that God chose him to lead the people out of uh, out of hundreds of years of slavery as they were in Egypt into the, the idea of leading them to the promised land that God had made for them. The story of Moses is somewhat classic, and maybe even if you haven't been to church very much, you've probably heard somewhat of his story over the line. But it was Moses' kryptonite that was that of insecurity and the fear of rejection, and there might be some of you here right now saying, Puh, that's me, Pastor Jim. Moses and me, man, we are, we are side by side on that one. You see, the Bible tells us that there was this incredible opportunity that Moses seemingly banished himself to the far side of the desert, the Bible says. And there one day, God was going to speak life to him. And there was this instance that happened around the burning bush. It was this crazy revelation that as Moses saw this bush that seemingly was on fire, yet the closer that he got to it, he recognized, but yet the bush itself was not burning. There was a fire all around it, but it was not being consumed. And as Moses drew closer, he heard the word of God to tell to Moses. We read this in Exodus chapter 3. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land and now into a good and a spacious land, a land that will flow with milk and honey. Listen, I think for those of us that have been in church long enough, I mean, that should have been good enough for us, right? Like God shows up in this idea of this burning bush. He speaks right out of it. God talks about this plan that, listen, the time of suffering and slavery are going to be over. I'm about to do something big. I think we would want to say, okay, God, that's good enough for me, man. You do it. Like, like, let's go. If you've said it this way, then I'm believing this is going to be something great. Like, game over. 
But that's not how it played out. You see, when we battle these ideas of doubt and inferiority and rejection, rather than running and and believing like that this is for us, oftentimes we want to just kind of hang back. Oftentimes it just brings out more questions or more doubt in our life. And that's exactly what happened to Moses. Here's what we read in verse 10. So God says to him, Moses, go. I are now will be released out of Egypt. But here's the response. But Moses says to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? You see, I want you to see in two parts because it, it doesn't just end here. But, but as God spoke to Moses, he looked at quote, the world that was around him to Egypt. And he saw Pharaoh and his power and all that that Egypt was able to accomplish in the world, exploits and things that we could still talk about today. We could talk about those who literally ruled the world. And Moses, filled with fear and rejection and doubt, when God spoke to him about the promise and stepping out that God would go with him and that God's plan would be revealed, the first thing that Moses struggled against is, who am I to go against this big king of the world? You see, so many times we recognize that God does have dreams for us, that God has to use us, whether at our workplace or our community, and we see uh, those that are hurting and lost around us. We see kind of such a big world, and yet sometimes we are so quick to say, but who am I? But who am I? We're so easy to deflect for, well, well, maybe this person or that person, or it's so easy for us to see all of the areas that we don't add up in our life to think, how and why would God ever choose to use me. I don't know what the kryptonite is in your life that gives you and I some of those same feelings where God wants to use us to touch the world around us. There was an Egypt that God wanted to bring victory for, but the first thing that, that Moses saw was all of the challenge that was around him rather than recognizing the God that was speaking to him. Moses continues to say to God, but suppose that I go to the Israelites and, they, and I say this to them. And then they ask me, who is this God of your fathers that has sent you to us? And what if they ask me, what is your name? If people have question about this power, about this truth, about what, what you have spoken to me. If they question me, how do you know? How can you say those things? How can you get up on a Sunday morning and declare these things to be? What am I going to tell them? Again, this fear, this inferiority, this, this lack of, of faith that Moses lived with. You see, not only was it outward towards Egypt, but now it was inward with Israel as well. Moses didn't know how to act in front of Egypt, and Moses didn't know how to act in front of Israel as well. Listen, some of you can relate, maybe all of us can relate in those ways. What is our reaction to when we believe or when we hear God speak into our spirit or speak into our life? You know, for most of us, it's what? <laughs> God, you must have mixed up somehow. I mean, you, you were probably asking for somebody else, not for me. And Moses kind of shares this crazy call to God. Listen, if, if Israel wants to know who is sending me, what am I going to tell them? Listen, if I could paraphrase it for you today, I think God would say, are you kidding me? What do you mean who is sending you? You just tell them the I am is here. You tell them that everything you ever need to know, 
Anything that you ever are lacking in your life, God simply says, I am. Listen, for those of us that are wondering, God, if you can use anyone, then please use somebody else. I don't think you want to use me. I want you to hear today that God is not just whispering into your ear, but God is shouting into your ear that the I am is calling his people. The I am is calling his church. We are living in a day and age where people need to know the truth more than anything else. That we don't back away from knowing God, from knowing biblical truth. That is the truth that is going to set people free. And rather than you and I just living in the desert, it's time you and I become activated by the power of God and recognizing, listen, we know who has the answer to your life. We know who has helped to you. We know who is peace. We know who the healer is. We know who your deliverer is. My help cometh from the Lord today. Your help is in him today. We don't lack today in anything. We today understand that we give the power of the I am into those that are around us this morning as well. Let me give you a few more characters of scripture as we just kind of open up this series a little bit more. Maybe if we talked about David or his son Solomon Or some of you might be aware of the name of Samson in the Bible. These guys all battled sexual issues and challenges in their life. You say, Pastor, what do these guys represent in this story? Or or what could it mean for my life? If you're familiar with the Bible, there's a story in the book of Judges about, about this guy named Samson. And for all intents and purposes, at least from a biblical perspective, he was the strongest guy in the world. The Bible says that when the Spirit of God came upon him, he was unstoppable. I know that there are are a lot of us over the time, maybe you are a boxing fan or UFC fan, right? And and sometimes there's the billing of these big monster guys, and we kind of think, man, like they're never going to fall, like they're undefeated, like they're huge, and and it gets us all excited to see the power of of, of humanity and the the force of, of one going after another. And everything that the Bible records, that when the power of God came on Samson, that he was unlike any other. You can read some of the exploits. Let me just give you a couple of highlights. It talks about one day when he was a young man, he was walking down the road, uh, and that a lion that ran after him, a roaring lion came after him. Now, I know that that might make make not a lot of sense to you, right? There probably haven't been too many days you walk downtown Erie and a lion has jumped out at you, right? But there have been a couple of us that have had a chance to be to Africa and, and had to see lines. I know David goes there a couple of times. And, and, and maybe we have that perspective. A lot of times, Dave, right, I, I've had a chance a couple of years ago that sometimes we see that picture. They're just laying in the savanna, right, just like lounging out, these big lines. I think they, they sleep, uh, you know, probably like 23 hours out of the day, right? They're almost like big kitty cats most of the time, Right, just that big yawn. But when they have a desire to go on the hunt, it's a whole different game. How many know that? I've I've been at a place in Africa to be around a roaring lion. David, I'm sure you've been there as well. It's a whole different atmosphere. It's a whole different game. I've told this story, I'm sure, a couple of times while I was in Kenya. We went to a reserve and they actually had a... um, kind of almost like a, a, a healing medical place for when these animals were hurt in the wild and, and they were brought and they had a couple of lions and they gave us an opportunity to go into the, the back of the, the zoo area, the, the cage. 
And they had taken this large piece of meat and they had thrown it into this massive male lion. And, and I can tell you, I was as close to this lion, I felt his breath on my face. Fortunately, there were big, big bars in between us. But when we first went in there, he was just kind of, you know, just kind of laying there doing his like cat thing until they threw the meat in. And this is just kind of my opinion, right? But as much as like the domesticated animals, your dog or your cat, how many know, I, I, I've got like a, a, a nutcase boxer dog, right, who is like out of her mind like 99% of the time, and yet still when I give her a bone, something, that animal instinct takes over in her. And it was the same thing that happened. They threw that piece of meat in, and that lion like kind of changed in a heartbeat. And, and the closer that we got, this just guttural roar just kind of came out of this animal as if this fear that I was going to take something that, that was his. And it put a whole new perspective in my life. I, I've always kind of had like these, you know, weird fantasy dreams or whatever. I, I grew up in the country and hunted and, and all these kind of things. And you kind of think like you can, you know, you can own the world, you can own the woods, right? We're a man until you face a lion. And then you realize, you know, I, I could outrun it. Like I could, yeah. no, you wouldn't have a chance, all right? Like, like you're done instantly. And the Bible says that, one day that Samson was walking and a roaring lion. And the Bible says the spirit of God came on Samson and he ripped this lion apart. Just shredded this lion. Just you can read it in God's word. Another occasion it says that he went down to Ashkelon and he struck down 30 men. One against 30, and he wiped them all out. In another occasion, it says that he took the jawbone of a donkey. And some of you have heard this story. He took the jawbone of a donkey, and he killed 1,000 men. See, there was nobody in the world that was stronger than Samson when the power and the presence of God came on him. David, some of you are aware of, if there was a tagline for him, we would say, well, David was a man after God's own heart. In fact, he lived the life that when the prophet came to pick the next king of Israel, as would have been tradition, the eldest son would have been the most likely candidate. And that's what Samuel, the prophet, thought. Well, this is going to be easy. Jesse's got a lot of sons. He's got a number one son. Like, this is going to be it, and it's going to be over. But when he got there, God said, no, that's, that's not the one. And he went all the way down the line, and and then Samuel became confused. It's like, God, I know you sent me to the house of Jesse to anoint the next king of Israel, but I've gone through them all. I don't know what else to do. And God says, you haven't seen them all. They're still the youngest out in the field tending the sheep. And it could have been in the natural that Samuel would have kind of argued with God to say, God, I don't think you know what you're doing. Much like Moses at the burning bush. God, are you sure you, you understand what, what the situation is? Do you know who Pharaoh is? Listen, we have so many ways of defeating ourselves when God is giving the green light. So many of us continue to flash the red lights. But because David had this pure heart before God, God said, listen, you might look on the outside, but I, I look on the inside. And it doesn't matter his size or his stature. I can make great things happen out of his life, and, and that's exactly what God did. 
But unfortunately, in the life of David, it tells us that when kings went off to war, and that's what David was, he was a warrior king. That was, that was his life, that was his reputation. And it should have been when he was out doing the things that he was destined and designed to do, that he found himself back in the castle. He found him back where he shouldn't have been. How many know oftentimes there are difficult things that happen in our life when we are not where we're supposed to be? You know, oftentimes we question, like, how, how did this happen? Well, oftentimes I tell people, <laughs> it's the path you chose. It's not really that difficult to understand. And much like David, not being where he was supposed to be, we open ourselves up to temptation from the enemy. And you know the story that he looked over the wall one day and there was a woman and he lusted after her in his heart and because he was the king and because he could have and do whatever he wanted to do and no one, boy, what a challenge of leadership, hello? No one could doubt him. No one could stop him. He could have whatever he wanted. He took this woman that was not his own. And there was a child that was born or the child that was in her and realizing a husband that, of this woman that was out to war, now David was, what am I going to do about this? And in a premeditated way, he sent this woman's husband to the front line of the battle, knowing without a shadow of a doubt that her husband would be killed. This man that we would say that had a heart after God now was not only an adulterer, but was a premeditated murderer as well. You say, Pastor, how do you ever recover from that? How do you ever come back from wrong decisions? Listen, if David didn't have a chance, how many know you and I would never have a chance, right? But as we read about in Psalms 51, that it's a broken and contrite heart and a spirit God will never reject or God will never refuse. But in this moment, David wasn't where he was supposed to be, and it began to cost him not only his life, but it began to cost him his kingdom as well. His son Solomon, unfortunately, in cases like this, the apple doesn't often fall too far from the tree. You'll know that as he stepped in to take over from his father, God said, Solomon, I see your heart and I see what you're about to do and so I'm going to bless you with a gift. You can ask me for anything and I will give it to you unending. And because of the righteousness that was in Solomon's heart in this moment, he asked for wisdom and for those of us that would know some of the story of the Bible, we would say, and, and not only in biblical history, but you can find it in the annals of, of human history, that Solomon became the wisest man that ever lived. His kingdom expanded like none other. And being the wisest man in the world, you would think that I'm going to stay as far away from the kryptonite in my life as I can but unfortunately, we find ourselves in temptation. We find ourselves believing our own press every once in a while. Hello? We kind of get a feeling like rather than look what God did, look what, look what I did. Look what I was able to accomplish. And that was the story 
of Solomon. We read in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. He said, I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself. I planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I own more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasures of kings and provinces like the world has never seen. I acquired male and female singers, even a harem. The delights of all of a man's heart were mine. He said, I denied myself nothing my eye desired. I refused my heart no pleasure whatsoever. And in the end, we realize that much like his father David, that Solomon's kingdom and Solomon's life came crashing down. You see, what's the connection? Well, the strongest man who ever lived, the wisest man who ever lived, the purest heart of any man who ever lived, it was self-pleasure that became the downfall of them all. It was complete and absolute destruction. Even though they seemingly had it all, there was an element of kryptonite in their heart that brought great men down. One more story before we go today, the story of Gideon. Again, maybe somewhat familiar to a lot of us, but again, that Israel was in need of someone to lead them into victory. But I'm sure there's no one here that's ever struggled with doubt. I'm sure there's no one here that has ever kind of uh, lowered themselves or felt a little less in a, whatever group that you were a part of. No, you see, the Bible is not some fairy book that, that, that was written for some bedtime story time. It's a story of real lives and struggle with real issues. But I want you to know it's a story that provides real hope and real answers for us as well. Things that we relate to and understand that, that there can be a way out of some of these circumstances and situations that we find in our life. One day the angel of the Lord declared over Gideon that he was a mighty warrior. But Gideon said, excuse me, are, are, are you talking to me? Like you, you've got to be confused. You, God, you've got to be mistaken if you're coming after me declaring me to be a mighty warrior. Anybody ever been there before? I'm sure, God, somehow you've made a mistake. Again, in Judges chapter 6, we see that the Lord said to him again, I want you to go, and, and, and we put it on the screen. I, I want you to just kind of camp in these first couple of words here for a minute. God says, I want you to go in the strength that you have. You might not know all of Gideon's story right now, but I'll get to that with you. But I want you to just kind of get that into your spirit for just a minute. God says, I want you to go in the strength that you already have. Some of you need to hear that this morning. I think so oftentimes we wait for God to show up or, or we hesitate or we wait that there's got to be you know, some angelic choir that has to shout out of heaven or that all of these things have to line up. And that was kind of the story of Gideon. God, Gideon just seemingly kept God uh, under, uh, under direction like over and over. Well, God, if you do this or, you know, if, if I get all the green light that you, you know, have finally spoken, 12th Street all the way up to 90, then, all right, then I believe that you, you know, have finally spoken to my life, right? If I get that parking spot at the mall, I mean, right by the door, then, right? Like, like it was Gideon kind of had this whole thing backwards. He just kept putting God to the test. But I want you to hear this simple line that, that kind of turns all of that on its head. God his first word to Gideon was, is that I want you to go in the strength that you already have. 
Listen, some of you wonder, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. Can I tell you, God is already in you. God is already with you. The strength and the power of God. Stop waiting and start looking for it to come and realize that it's already in you. It's already with you. I want you to go in the strength that you have, and I want you to save Israel out of Midian's hand. God says to him, am I not sending you? Hear me. But again, out of his doubt and inferiority, Gideon says, pardon me, my Lord, but how can I save Israel? Because my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least of my family. I mean, Gideon just kind of put it as aptly and as, as straightforward as he could. Listen, you got the wrong guy. Not only do I come from the smallest tribe of all of the tribes, but I am the weakest of the smallest tribe. I mean, it doesn't get any worse than me. It's almost like he's daring God, huh? You think you can do something? You don't know who you're dealing with. And God just smiled and said, you don't know who you're dealing with. And here's what's interesting in the story. How is it that God continued to deal with Gideon? You would think that in this idea of doubt or inferiority, you would think that God would then bless Gideon with this overwhelming army, tens of thousands of exceptional soldiers, like all these SWAT guys, all these special forces guys, like God just sits back, okay, Gideon, I hear it. I know you're weak. I know you're scared. I know you're filled with doubt. So guess what I'm going to do for you? Like, I'm not going to give you just soldiers. I'm going to give you the best of the best soldiers. I'm just going to, like, if you think, like, you don't know how to do I'm just going to give you, like, thousands and thousands and thousands of soldiers and, like, just going to put all of your doubts to rest. So listen, Gideon, you can just sit back, take it easy. I'm going to take care of everything. No. That's not how God dealt with Gideon, right? Some of you need to hear this today. Do you know what God kept doing? God kept taking more and more soldiers away from Gideon's army, right? The word went out, like 30,000 guys show up. So I'm sure Gideon's like, okay, well, I guess I don't have to doubt so much. I guess I, guess I don't have to be inferior. Like, God did show up, and like, he brought me like 30,000 soldiers. Like, yeah, let's do this. And God said, hey, Gideon, before you go out there, there's probably a lot of guys there that, that maybe are afraid. Like, so why don't you just put the word out? Like, hey, if any of you like, are kind of afraid, you're, you're not ready for this battle, like, you can go home. And Gideon's like, all right, what's that going to be like? Like, 100 guys, like, no, no, no sweat. So he puts the word out, and 15,000 guys turn around and walk home. You see, all those questions of doubt, how many would think that they're not starting to come back? And God says, well, I'm not done yet, Gideon. Why don't you take them down to the water and, and you have them get a drink? And so they all do this. But, but the way that they did it, God says, I want you to eliminate all those that just kind of dove in and like stuck their head in the water, that they weren't vigilant, they weren't watching. So after all those who did that, Gideon said, hey, all those that you just kind of dunked your head in the water, you can get out of the army. And all but 300 remained. You say, Pastor Jim, what is what is God doing? You have to go back to those opening lines. You see, why was it that God could bring victory with Gideon with just 300 men? Because God told him early on, I want you to go in the strength that you already have. I want you to know that whatever you battle, whatever you face, if you keep me in the mix, no matter what you're facing, listen, if your heart is broken, 
I want you to keep Jesus in the mix. It's going to be so hard for us, right, to push him. We're, we're, we're going to want to push everybody away. We're going to kind of want to sit in a dark room and we're going to just doubt and we're going to be overwhelmed. But I want you to know that no matter how difficult it is, the things that we face, that God says that there is going to be strength when you invite him in. Some of you might have struggles in your marriage and you've separated yourself. It's hard to be in bed together. It's, it's hard to talk because some of these things that, listen, they're not new. They've been happening for a long time and you just haven't really got down to deal with them. Just kind of the strength that's in you, mom, wife, to, to just get up and deal with it. And so it separates you. But I want you to know that God has power and strength to restore and to heal you and to heal your home and to heal your marriage. Unfortunately, we want to just keep pushing it away. We live in a culture where it's just like, just get out. No, God says, I don't want you to just get out. I want you to know that there's great, there's strength, and there's power when you determine and when you pray and you believe that when you put me in the midst of this, that we can work all things to your good and to your benefit, that your kids don't have to live scattered lives, that they can live a wholesome, wonderful life under a house of a mom and dad that love God and are doing their very best for them. Yeah, it's easy to run. It's hard to fight and stay. But God was teaching Gideon, listen, if I'm in this, it's all going to work out. Listen, you're already equipped, so let's start acting like it. Hello? You're already equipped. Start acting like it. I'm going to ask the band. They can come and help me. Let me just give you one little quick at the end. We just kind of come to the New Testament. I think... The only other character maybe more that we read about in the New Testament other than Jesus is the Apostle Paul. In fact, he's kind of a legend to us, right, in the New Testament. But this is what he writes about himself in 1 Timothy chapter 1. He said, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Anybody say amen for that? He said, of whom I am the worst. He had a picture of himself maybe a lot different than, than you and I would have of him. You know, there's something kind of interesting in the world that it's not always as it appears to be. Have you realized that? Can I help you to know that everything that you read on the internet isn't true? You know, we might look at certain people and say, wow, they've got their whole act together. Pastor Jim gets in front of people. He's not afraid to talk to people. He can do this. Well, he must have his life together. He must be perfect. It's hard for us to fully understand some of the battles and struggles that people go through deep down inside. And some of us were really good at staying really hidden. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, for I am the least of the apostles. I don't even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. You see, Paul was a slave to his past. Before he came into a full knowledge of Christ, what he thought what he was doing for good is that he was just killing people, thinking he was doing right, but all the way just bringing havoc in the church. And then one day God gloriously saved him, but he recognized in his humanity that he had a past that it was hard to outrun. 
And we often don't think about Paul ever taking three steps forward and, and two steps backwards, but in the moment, how many can relate? Yeah, there's probably been more times than we'd like to admit to say, man, I should be farther than where I am today. Hello? I should be doing more for the kingdom than what I am today. I should be helping and serving more than I am. I should be leading more than what I've been doing, but I feel that I've got some skeletons in my closet. Maybe if Pastor Jim really knew who I was or some of the baggage that, that I carry, he'd probably have a different look at me. But I want you to know that God has a wonderful way of not just helping us with our past, but healing us from our past. So I can't say that in every situation it's just easy, automatic, overnight. For some people, God's presence and God's power does that. But sometimes we've walked through trauma or difficulty that, that is hard. But I want you to know, I said yesterday to some people, no matter what's going on in your life, God doesn't run away from your mess. We have a loving God that runs to your mess. He knows who we are from the inside out, and I want you to know that he never stops loving us. Your past, your past does not define you. We are not a product of our past when we come into a relationship with Jesus. If I could quote country music for just one moment, there ain't no future in the past. You see, God wants to give you and I the hope of a glorious future today. So what hope do we have? Let me close this morning. You see, your kryptonite, no matter what it is, and maybe some of the things that we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks, I want you to hear this. Your kryptonite is no match for Jesus. But I also want you to hear this, that the longer that you believe those beliefs the longer that you invite some of those things to hang out in your life, the longer that you just keep that kind of junk pile in that upstairs closet that nobody knows about, all it's going to do is weaken you. You see, the only thing that kryptonite does is that the longer that we are around it, the weaker we become. So I want you to know that whatever the enemy might have riddled your mind or your thought or your emotion, whatever life has brought to you today that you wonder that there is no hope, there is no help, there is no way out of this, I want you to know that Jesus, he is your help, he is your hope, he is your victor, he is your strength. And even when it might seem like everything is lessening around you, I'm sure that Gideon would have thought, God, are you sure that even with this small amount of guys that we're going to be able to do these things? God said, listen, as, as long as I am in the midst of this, Gideon, everything is going to work out just fine. You see, that might be your kryptonite even now is, Pastor Jim, how do I give my life to Jesus? How do I trust him with all of this? It starts by getting to know him. 
And today, you've taken the first step to be in the house of God, to hear his word, to know that God has a plan and God has a purpose, not just for your life, but for your home, for your marriage, for your family. Boy, just think about if you and I would get some stuff right in our life, what advantage our kids are going to have. Hello? Some of the garbage that we've had to walk through, wouldn't it be awesome to say, I'm going to live a life that my kids are not going to have to walk through that garbage. You see, some of us can change not only our destiny, but the destiny of our home right now. And it's simply by you and I saying, I'm going to trust I'm going to trust in God. I'm going to trust in his word. I don't got it all figured out right now. In fact, what's before me, it's pretty daunting. And I don't even know if there's an answer. But in just the opposite, as much as you hang around your kryptonite, it's going to weaken you. Can I tell you, the more you hang around Jesus, the more he's going to help you. The stronger you're going to become. The better things are going to be, the more hope you're going to have, not just for your today, but for your tomorrow as well. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads with me. Father, I thank you today that, Lord, we take something that, that has some understanding in this life to realize that there is much greater meaning around us. Lord, it's not by accident that those that have gathered here today need to hear that there is hope for their home there is hope for their life. There's hope for their situation. There's hope for their marriage. There's hope for their family and for their kids. But there's also a challenge that we all have to face as well. That there are some things that maybe we have to face. Maybe there are things that we have to get rid of. Some things that we have to flee from that have the cause to bring destruction in our life. And so for some of us, we've got a man up. We've got a woman up today. And maybe that first step is by putting my faith in a God who loves me, in a God who has something more than I could ever hope, dream, or imagine. God, I pray that you would just speak your life to those here today, that our past is not going to define us, but you have an amazing present and an even greater future ahead for us. That shame is not going to keep me down. The rejection, the fear of failure, that loss of hope, that struggle is not going to be my MO. But I'm going to be a warrior. I'm going to be a victor through what Jesus Christ has done and made possible for my life. I pray for those that are watching online today, whether you can feel again what is in this room today, I pray that you will feel that power and presence that God can reach out to who you are today as well. I pray, church, today that you allow the hope of heaven to let it fill your soul today. Would you stand?